Corinthians 1.21. didn't say preaching is foolish. The world thinks it's foolish, though. But you have to taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. There's nothing like preaching, teaching, teaching getting to the Word of God, especially when you're hungry. The only people I know that are bored in church are people that don't have a prayer life and don't understand the Word of God. Whether we, whether we run the aisles or we're just methodical and we're teaching, if you're hungry for the Word of God, it's what you waited for all day long. It's what you waited for all week long since Sunday morning. Amen. God is good. Just for those that may wonder why, probably none of those, but when I was trying to evangelize literally decades ago, I preached in a little church in a place called Biggersville, Mississippi. And it is just that, a little dot on the map. But they had a nice church and a good pastor and a beautiful building and a nice congregation. And he would open every, they had Sunday night service too, and he would open every one of them, if I recall, Sunday night or Wednesday. Anyway, and they would just get up, the pastor would, and he would sing a chorus, and he'd remind you what's going on for the week, and then he would just turn the speaker loose. And that stuck in my mind all of these years, that uh, the singing is wonderful, and the choir, and everybody that practices is awesome. It really is. But we don't have to have it every service, praise God. There ought to be some time we just remind ourselves, we're here for the preaching only. Just bring the Word of God. That angel said in Revelation 10:9, give me the little book. Just give me the book. That's what it's all about. Sister McKenzie's going to come as you're leaving. If you're going to nursery, God love you tonight. And she's going to start the preaching off. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I'm happy to be here this evening. Anybody else have a rough day? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, I have a, a little lengthy bit of text. It's eight verses, but it's just the word, so I figure we should do that. We should read the word tonight. Starting in Matthew 9, verse 18, it says, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and, from, and the fame hereof went abroad unto all the land. You may be seated. One man took one trip. He healed the woman of the issue of blood. He rose a maid from the dead. And then he goes on to do even more miracles after that in this passage. And... It just got me thinking. I'll start with this. 
when you go to the doctor's office and you have a broken leg and it's like really broken, like there's bones sticking out or something, <laughs> and, you, and the doctor comes up to you, this is not a trick question, what are they gonna call that broken leg? They're gonna call it a broken leg. <laughs> They're gonna call it what it is. Or when you get a scrape on your arm, they're gonna call it a scratch because that's the name, that's what it's called, that's what it is. And when I was listening to this passage a couple weeks ago, I was, I was laying in my bed and I was listening to the Bible. I really like to hear the Bible when um, I'm listening or reading to it. And I heard the words, give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, you knew she was dead, and we knew she was dead. We're reading this text. It's very evident in this scripture that the girl is not alive anymore. Why would you call her sleeping? Why would you say that? Why wouldn't you call her by what the situation deems she should be called? And it, I had this thought, and it's when, when God entered that situation because of his very presence, he didn't even call her what the situation was. And when you let God into a situation that you deem dead, he's not going to call it dead. Because when you allow God into a place where there's a need, just by being there, it's not dead anymore because there's hope now. I'm not saying that the situation to the world may not be dead. If you have anxiety, you have a lack of peace. You would, maybe you'd call that dead peace. If you have, like I said earlier, a broken leg, you would call that maybe a dead leg. But when God enters, when you allow the master into that situation and he's involved now, there's hope A dead marriage, dead peace, a lost loved one. I just want to make a point tonight to say that it matters who you involve in your problems and your situations. It mattered that the ruler went to Jesus to get help. And not to say that we can't get help from our friends or our spouse or our mother, but they're not the healer. They're not the master. They're not the miracle worker or the one that solves all of our problems. We have to let the master be involved. And not only that is in my private life, I do want someone who speaks life, who speaks hope. And we get where we get in this passage The time just showed up. We get where we get in this passage. Because the ruler goes to Jesus, and the Bible says that he worships. I'm losing my notes. I put a lot of scripture on this page. Thank you, Pastor. The Bible says that he went before the Lord, and he worshipped him, and then he said, my daughter is even now dead. Can you even imagine to have a situation as drastic as a loved one being dead and thinking, I need to go worship the Lord right now. I need to go get in touch with the master right now. 
And that's, wh that's what's happening when we take our problems before the Lord. We need to go to him with this, this broken problem, this dead, this dead problem, this thing that we're dealing with, this dead peace, this dead marriage. And you come before him and then you worship him. You go before him and you worship him and you say, God, I need you right now. I need you in this situation and I know you can do it. But the point I want to make is I'm not necessarily talking about the healing today. I'm not necessarily talking about the miracle portion. I'm just talking about when you allow God in, the condition of your problem changes because he's there. Always. Whether he answers that prayer in that moment, five years later, that minute, whatever it may be, the condition of the problem changed because the master was involved. And I just have to say that whether the Lord answered my prayers or not, I have never been sorry for allowing God to be a part of that situation. Your situation may feel dead, but if you come before him worshiping and you insert God into that place, there is now hope, and he doesn't call it dead anymore. The Apostle Paul wrote this about the Lord in Romans 4.17, that he calls things that are not as though they are. We look at situations and say it's hopeless, uh, and he doesn't call it that, Sister McKenzie. With God, all things are possible, right? God can do anything, everything, and all things, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or what? Even think. Oh, what a blessed God. Praise the Lord. And I love that. You, you accentuated the point already. Pardon my redundancy, but he came and worshipped him. Before he started talking about any of his needs, he worshipped him. God, that, that we would learn a lesson from that, that before we talk business with the Lord. Uh, let's talk pleasure first before we talk business, huh? He's worthy of praise and worship. Brother West, come on. God bless you. Let's do that for just a moment. Let's put our hands together, lift our voices, and let's just worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice with a shout of praise unto God tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. We honor you tonight, God. We put you first, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We praise you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Stay standing for just a moment. I'll quickly get through some scriptures here. Give honor to our pastor and pastor's wife. We love them tremendously. Uh, God bless them. Amen. 30 years. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, dedication, sacrifice. We honor them. Amen. Exodus chapter 17. Uh, probably my favorite book to preach out of. A lot of rich, rich content here. But I'm going to Exodus 17, uh, verses 1 through 13. Quickly, we'll read together. It says this, And the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. It's a good place to be leaving. Amen. 
after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide or scold or rebuke Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said, Why are you scolding me? Why are you tempting the Lord? The people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it thou that hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cries unto the Lord, saying, What shall I say or do to this people? They're ready to stone me. The Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people. Take with thee the elders of Israel. Thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take it in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shalt come water out of it, that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand upon the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed upon his hands, or held him up, one on one side and one on the other. His hands were steady until the sun set. Joshua discomfited Amalek, or he, he uh, you know, won the battle, in other words, and his people with the edge of his sword. Amen. I was praying about this sermon last week and after pastor's masterpiece of a sermon on Sunday about the exclusivity of Christ. If you did not hear that, go check it out on the podcast. It was confirmation for me tonight about what I'm going to preach about, which is the rock. The rock. You think you know where I'm going with this, you don't. So don't tune me out. If you tune me out, you'll miss out. Amen. Would you do me a favor tonight, instead of praying for me or this sermon. I've been praying for it for a week. We had a friend who passed away today from COVID. Her name is Barbara Bazden. Would you do me an honor and just pray for her family and friends tonight? Precious woman, precious saint of God, been fighting COVID for three weeks and passed away today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we come before you, Lord, asking for the Bazden family, God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, we don't understand everything tonight, God. Lord, but this faithful servant is now with you, Lord Jesus, and we celebrate her life, Lord God. Would you comfort her family, comfort her friends, bring peace tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Let God's people said, amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm going to preach tonight if that's all right. Psalms chapter 61, David said, hear my cry, O God. Tend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, my heart, when it is overwhelmed, not if it's overwhelmed. Lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Say it with me. Lead me to the rock, Lead me to the rock. 
that is higher than I. And multiple times in the Psalms, David identified Jesus, God Almighty, as the rock. In Psalms 18 alone, multiple times, in fact, in the same Psalm, verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress. Verse 31, who is God? Save the Lord. Who is the Lord? Who is a rock? Save our God. Verse 46, the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. I submit to you tonight that David knew who his rock was. And it's no wonder that he put such confidence in a small rock placed in a sling against a giant because he knew if that rock ever got in contact with his enemy that it was game over for the enemy. Other writers echoed this identification. Samuel in 2 Samuel 2 and 2 said, There is no rock like our God. 2 Samuel twenty two forty seven. The Lord liveth. Blessed be my rock. Isaiah got in on the action, Brother Anthony, and said in 17 and 10, You've forgotten the God of your salvation. You have not been mindful of the rock. And Moses wrote from experience in Deuteronomy 32 and 4 that he, talking about God, is a rock and his work is perfect. In 32 and 21 in the CEV version he said, even our enemies know that our God is a mighty rock. And those are just a few. We find another instance in Psalm 78, not a Psalm of David, but rather written by a musician by the name of Asaph. And Asaph is writing about the events that we read in Exodus 17. And he re recounts in Psalm 78, Exodus 17. And I'm not going to read the only just two verses for our hearing, but in verse 16 it says he brought streams out of that rock and caused waters to run down like the rivers. And in verse 35 it says, And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God of the Redeemer. He's recounting this story that we read in Exodus 17 where Moses leads the Israelites out of a place called the wilderness of sin toward a place called Rephidim. And I just want to bring back to our memory banks, they're not just now leaving Egypt. They have been in a place called the wilderness of sin for 40 years. And for 40 years they've been enjoying what the Bible refers to as manna that tasted like sweet honey wafers. This was delicious food. This was good stuff. You fill in the blank, whatever you love, whatever your favorite food is, this is what was raining down from heaven every single day, Brother Seth. And they ate it, and they ate it, and they ate it. Pardon the phrase, but I think they were fat and happy at this point, after 40 years of eating. And I want to take you on a mental journey with me for just a moment to put us into the context of what they're experiencing. A couple million people 
leave this place called a wilderness of sin, traveling in the hot sun, and they arrive at a desert destination, a place called Rephidim. Coincidentally, Brother Scott, Rephidim means a place of rest. It means a restful place, a place of support or refreshment. They left a place where they had provision and traveled to a place called rest, only to find that there was no water there. And it's 100 degrees, and a few hours from now, we're no longer alive. I can see them saying, excuse me, Moses, you showed us a brochure. And the brochure said, desert oasis with mountain views. This is not that. But this place looks nothing like this. This isn't a place of rest. This is a place of stress. We came all this way, and there's not even water. We might not even make it. Can I ask you a question tonight, saying of God, have you ever found yourself longing for a destination, longing for a point where if I can just get past this one problem, this one day, this one year, this one obstacle in my life, I'm finally going to have the stress behind me. I'll finally find some rest. It's going to be a desert oasis with mountain views. And you get there and 2020 is finally over. And you find out that 2021 has its own problems. You get past that one thing and you find out there's another thing. And life just keeps on going. If that's you tonight, let me congratulate you on still being here. You are still in the house of God. Keep on going on, my brother. Keep on pressing on, my sister. And do not, I said, do not give up no matter what. They got to the place of rest. It wasn't what they had imagined. And here they are complaining and Moses is the only one with the right perspective. He takes this problem to God instead of complaining about it. We need to do more of that. We need to take our problem to God and leave it there. Not to social media. Not to the gossip train. Take your problem to the Lord and leave it there. Moses takes it to God and God tells Moses, you've got the answer in your hand. Take that same rod that you laid down in front of Pharaoh. Take that same rod that you stretched out across the Red Sea. Strike it upon that rock. When you do, water's going to flow. Moses strikes it upon the rock. And water flows. Enough water to, to quench the thirst of two million people. Can you imagine that, that gush of water? This is more than just a fire hydrant. This is described a couple of times as streams of water gushing, a river of water flowing. And in this place called rest, where they had no rest or no refreshment, no peace, what they needed was refreshing water, and it flowed out of a rock. I'm about to preach, so hold on to your seatbelts. The plane's about to land soon. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a rock with enough water in it to satisfy two million people. How is this even possible? The Apostle Paul gives us the answer. Asaph gave us the answer as well when he writes about it in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 4. He said, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant that all of our fathers 
were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat that same spiritual, the sweet honey wafers, the same spiritual meat. And all did drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. Somebody read the last part of that sentence for me. That rock in Exodus 17 was Christ. I'm sorry to bust anybody's theological bubble, but if Jesus is just the dude in the New Testament, then what is he doing back in Exodus as the rock? The rock was Christ. Jesus was that rock. He provided the rest when they needed it. He's saying, I know everything is not perfect here in this place called rest where there is no rest, just stress. I know it's not what you might have thought it would be. I know this pit stop was not on your agenda, but I've got something so much better for you today. Your spiritual rest, your mental rest is not a place or a day where everything's going to be amazing and problem free. Hear me, your rest does not come when you finally get past the next situation, when everything is finally better, when you finally get that bill paid off, and when that relationship thing is finally over, and when that problem with your kid is finally over. Your rest comes when you find Jesus in the middle of of your problem, your rest comes from the rock, Christ Jesus. And I pray that someone will hear me tonight because this world, Brother Playa, will take every ounce of our energy and it will still run us into the ground mentally, emotionally, and it'll drain us, it'll stress us out. Your job will stress you out, constantly striving for more, hoping for something better. Your family can stress you out. Your kids can stress you out. Your spouse, don't look at them right now, can stress you out. I said, don't look at them. No rest, weary, worn down. I'm talking about sleeping eight hours a day, but still waking up exhausted. Emotionally. But Jesus was that rest. And He was that rock. Psalmist David said, when... When, he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus himself said, come to me all that are weary, heavy laden, and I will be that rest that you need. Isaiah said, his spirit is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing his spirit flowing water flowing from the rock but the story in Exodus 17 isn't over and after that cool water coming out of the rock scene would have been amazing to see Pastor Herring the Amaleks Amalekites excuse me attack the Israelites all the ites in the place of rest the enemy knows what you're going through. He knows you thought that would be the place of rest, and it's turned out to be the place of stress. 
And He's going to hit you at that point when you're down very often. Amalek is smart. He attacks the children of Israel in the place of rest where they can't rest. You thought you were going to find rest here? Bam! He attacks. And Moses goes up the mountain because he realizes, I still have the answer in my hand. And he gets up to the top of the mountain, lifts up the rod, and as long as Moses' hands are in the air, Joshua and the Israelites are winning. When his hands fall, the enemies start winning. Check this out. Moses gets weary. Can I just tell you from a minister's heart that sometimes the man of God gets weary. And that's why it is our job, you and I, to lift up his hands every time that we get a chance. Because when his hands are raised, we all win. Check this out in Hebrews chapter 13 and 17. Hebrews 13 and 17. Reading from the NLT version. Don't get mad at me. This is the Bible. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. How would you like that responsibility? Give them reason to do this with joy. And not with sorrow. That wouldn't be for good for your benefit. <laughs> right? It should be each of our hearts to want the very best for the man of God. And I believe everybody in here does. I have a feeling when Moses realized Aaron and her were lifting up his hands, he looked over and probably had a smile on his face. And he thought, we can do this. PPC, we can do this. We can have revival. We can see Palmer saved. We can see Wasilla saved. In the name of Jesus, we can have revival. Something so cool here. When Moses gets tired, what do they do? They bring him a rock to sit on. He sat down on the rock and let Jesus carry the weight for just a moment. You still have no idea quite where I'm going with this sermon. I'm about to let the cat out of the bag. So hold on, and then we'll wrap up and we'll be done. The rock was their provision, Brother Joe. The rock was their refreshment. The rock was a support for the weary. The rock was Jesus. Are you ready for this? There's a theme Watch this. In every instance, their connection to the rock, the provision, the refreshment, the support enemies defeated was dependent on the man of God. It was dependent on the man of God. As long as the man of God connects with the rock, the water flows. And as long as the man of God connects with the rock, the enemies defeated and tonight, as long as I stay near the man of God, submitted, humble, supportive, encouraging. When the water of God's spirit flows and the word of God flows from this pulpit, 
We all want that holy water of God's spirit to flow in our lives. As long as I'm near the man of God, when he hears from the Lord and preaches the word of God from this pulpit, and the water flows out into this sanctuary, I've got to make sure that I'm nearby so I don't miss out. got access to the provision, the refreshing, the supporting flow from that rock, but it's not of my own doing. Yes, I have a responsibility in it. You get that I'm not dismissing our responsibility, but it's through the connection to the man of God that I access the holy rock, Christ Jesus. So I need to be nearby. I don't want to be in the wilderness of sin looking for some sweet honey wafers when the word of God flows. Come on, let's preach for a moment. Without the man of God sitting up here, many of us would still be in Egypt today, bound by our past, bound by yesterday. No hope for tomorrow. But by the grace of God, he gave us a man of God that is connected to the rock to point us in the right direction. And I'm going to preach this straight tonight, and I don't care what modern religion says about it. You will never be more connected to the rock Christ Jesus than you are when you are supporting the man of God. And I'll take it one step further tonight when we lift up the man of God through prayer, support, submission, and encouragement. We release the power of God to work on behalf of our families, our saints, our friends, our neighbors. And I hear the words of my Savior saying, it's a wise man who builds his house on a rock. It's a foolish man who builds his house on the sands because storms are going to come and I want my family, I want them on a rock, not on shifting sand. This is a place, a rock, where you and I can dwell. David said, there's just one thing that I desire. There's just one thing that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And if you want to dwell there, you've got to be submitted to the man of God. He's the connection point to the rock. And that rock is still available today. Water is still flowing from that rock today. John wrote when God showed him a vision of heaven in Revelation 22 and 1. And he said, God showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. Who's that Lamb? Jesus. Who's the rock? Jesus. There's still a river of water flowing from the rock in heaven. And Jesus said in John 7 and 37 through 38, If any man thirst... Let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
It's no wonder that Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, Thou art Peter, Brother Stacy, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Don't misunderstand the scripture. Peter was not the rock. He was the one connected to the rock. And when he preached about the rock on the day of Pentecost, he was providing access to that water that flows from the rock. He was pointing people to the rock. I'm not sure where you're going to tonight hoping for rest. What you're looking forward to. What day, what year, if I just get past this situation. Last year, if it was just put this pandemic in the past, put 2020 behind us. Good grief. Let's get over this thing, right? And we're just looking forward, just looking for that day. And guess what? We got here to 2021, and guess what? There's still stuff. There's still all kinds of stuff. Just one more thing. But if you make up your mind tonight, there's a source of rest. There's a source of refreshing. And it's the rock. And I know how to access the rock. But I'm tired of fighting things on my own. I'm tired of feeling like I'm missing out on something in life. I'm tired of not having a joy that I know is available. I'm tired of feeling bitter about what's happening in my life. I'm tired of being tired, tired of being stressed. You fill in the blank. I just need to say, God, I need you tonight lead me to the rock and every time the man of God gets up here it should be your prayer lead me to the rock pastor Aaron. lead me to the rock lead me to the rock that is higher than I lead me to the place of rest show me how just to sit down on that rock and trust in you would everyone just bow your heads for a moment? Very typical for an altar call that we would just come to the altar and seek God for our needs, for direction, for things that are on our heart, things that are weighing us down. I'm going to ask something different from you tonight. I'm going to ask that you spend the next several minutes and lift up the man of God and the woman of God before the throne. And let's, let's just seek God and say, Lord, would you bless my pastor and my pastor's wife? God, we're going to lift up their hands tonight. We're going to do it with passion, Lord. We're going to do it with fervor. We're behind them, and we want to have revival in Palmer. How many people want to have revival in Palmer? How many people want to see your family saved? You want to see the favor of God released into your family, into their lives, into a backslider that was going to come through those doors? I believe it in the name of Jesus. And we access that rock. When we lift up the hands of the man of God, would you pray with me tonight? Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you, Lord.
that I don't have to fend for myself in the wilderness.